0: the Next Trip Podcast with aviation insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own.
1: Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 199, operating on September 18th, 2023. This is Doug, an airline pilot. I'm here with my buddy Drew, an airline ops manager. We're here to discuss aviation topics from an industry insider's perspective if you can't hear it in my voice, I'm hoarse. <laughs> I sound tired, and guess what? I've been off since Dorkfest. Like I haven't been, <laughs> I haven't been. This working. is your I resting leave, time. This is my resting time. I leave for a work trip tomorrow, and I sound like mm-hmm. I've been hit by a train. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I will join. I will join the club because I am still not 100% used to the morning shift, and I got back from Honolulu probably two days ago at the most. At the crack of dawn and then the next Which day I'm we're going g- into We're the gonna morning talk shift. about
1: that. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that here in a second. Like you were in Los yeah, Angeles so I and like... now you're getting back from Honolulu. <laughs> or,
0: yeah, this is why worry. I could not don't be worry. we
1: will we will come to that.
0: <laughs> this is why I could not be an airline pilot because I was just a passenger on these flights and I'm I'm time zoned out. And yeah. after working a full shift, I, I we were talking about you were saying you were only have a few bytes of memory left so it's, we're yeah. gonna have to dig and into it's that. Probably
1: bits, Aaron can or Greg can tell us. I think it's probably bits, not bites. I had probably even used the wrong term. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah, I told you last night that it was sports night, and to mm-hmm. me that means I'm sh- literally shuttling the kids from one sport to the next, dropping one off, getting them changed, telling them to run in while I drive to the next sport with the other kid, right. and then I'm I'm doing this. And in your mind, I'm sitting at a Buffalo Wild Wings with yes. beer, watching a football game. <laughs> a football right. game, and sports and you're night. Like, you're like, oh, I heard sports night. I just pictured you sitting at a sports bar. I'm like, uh, no, I'm but fourteen. Relaxing. I'm fourteen years away from being back in that life where I can just on a weeknight go out to a sports bar and watch the game. But then uh-huh. I told I told you I ended up with the true sports bar experience because someone was throwing up for two hours last night. So even though I I didn't quite get that sports bar experience, I got to experience what you might experience after spending the night at a a sports sports bar. Yes. (laughs) So that's part of the reason why I sound this way.
0: Well, it's almost like your non-revving was your relaxation time and boy, did, were you able to relax? I mean, it was only for about maybe 45 minute flight, but tell us about your return from LAX and how, We were concerned you were not going to get back.
1: Yeah, it it wasn't even non revving; it became our term that we're coining right now non non revving, right? Yes, that's non non revving. I like it. Yes, yes, that is exactly (laughs) what happened. Well, before you before
0: you before you start, Doug, we got to people may not have listened to the last episode. Doug and I were at Avge Dorkfest or Spot LAX, which is a yearly thing with all you know a bunch of people show up and watch planes land. But go ahead.
1: I was nervous that I was not going to get home because our airline had showed, I don't know, 20 open seats for the last couple of flights of the night out of L.A. I thought there's there's no way I'm not getting on. And then it oversold. And then the jump seats started filling up, not just on our airline, but on every airline. It was showing mm-hmm. more people listed than seats available. One of our listeners were just standing in this circle in the park by the in and out Burger at LAX. Someone, I apologize, I don't remember who it was, maybe it was just a collective group, they go, well, did you look at just buying a ticket? And in my mind, I was like, well, there are seats open, but there are still more people listed, so I wasn't even thinking, like, look at an employee discount, look at miles, look at all this. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Like, let me just look at buying a ticket, remove all the stress about getting home. Was this Ian? it was, it I think might it, have been no i don't think it was Ian i, I think it was someone else someone else was like what, well did was did it eric
0: just, eric and catherine it might maybe? have been them like they were to be honest
1: good. to be honest there was just so much going on i, I don't remember mm. who it was and i was like great idea let me look so i looked on delta which people make the joke sky pesos meaning like the inflation <laughs> on on delta miles because right, of so, devaluation so much, it's going to cost 100,000 miles to get from los angeles to, it was 7,000 miles Guarant for a for a confirmed ticket. Yes, absolutely. That's equivalent of about seventy dollars. Seven thousand miles. I was like, oh, absolutely. Did it remove the stress? And we were laughing then because with my status, I got exit row open. Mm -hmm. Why? Like no one's sitting next to me, so it's like, ooh, exit row. No one's sitting next to me. and It, then keeps, sudden, it kept getting better and better. It, it did. We called this my rags to riches non-non-rev <laughs> trip because I got to note. like, we're just chatting with people and notification on my phone. And I look and it's like, you've been upgraded to Comfort Plus, which is the mm-hmm. extra legroom seats, comes with free drinks. And I was like, wow. For 7,000 miles. For 7,000. I was like, this is great. And that way I'm not like constantly checking the standby list. Like, am I going to get on? And with the jump seating thing, I can't really go to the club before we go there's a whole like litany of reasons why this was better. And then when when I booked it first class, totally full, I was like number seven on the upgrade list. I was like, not even worth looking. And then someone asked me, they're like, well, did you look again? Three people had hopped off the flights. There were three open seats and I was number two on the upgrade list. So I was like, I went from not even like thinking I may not even make it home to now I'm possibly slash probably going to get the upgrade when I finally said bye to you guys got to the club I'm sitting out on the the sky deck like eating dinner having a nice drink and you guys keep messaging me you're like has it happened yet has it happened yet has it happened yet
0: yeah. and it
1: finally did and it came through so I went from jump seat on Not a 737 on... 737 possibly to mm-hmm. hey I'm in first class for the hour flight back home, <laughs> the rags-to-riches <laughs> non Nagrav.
0: Right. And you let all of us know about it because we saw every step of the way <laughs> with the glass the glass of wine. And <laughs> you had three windows on a 737. It's like, all right, we got it, Doug. <laughs> we well, got it.
1: The you three, scored. The three-window thing was so funny because we were making fun of uh, – Oh no, I guess Greg hadn't had oh. his no-window experience yet. But yes. I was like, hey, this is kind of BS, guys. I only have two and a quarter windows. Like <laughs> yeah, just off, like, off the cuff, just joking. Mm-hmm. And then I got airborne, re- reclined my seat, and it turned into three full windows. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, hey, I rescind all the bad things I said about this this trip. I now have three full windows. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: that was great. That was, that was a very special AvGeek Hallmark you know, rags to riches story <laughs> it
1: was, yeah, that that would be it. that would be playing like front and center, prime time, Sunday night, Christmas season mm. on hallmark. absolutely. ah <laughs> uh, well, no, actually, it would be before yours. Mine would be like the precursor to the the hallmark. you said yeah. hu- you said Honolulu, you were flying to d c from Los Angeles. I know we yes. talked we talked to last year about you going through Maui. Care to fill us in what happened this year? We teased it (laughs) last week. We said 777 heading westbound. I don't think you flew on a 777 heading westbound. What happened? Where did you go?
0: Why did you do that? I'm going to throw our airline under the bus because (laughs) our airline has this knack for the last two days filling up every open seat. I don't know how they do. So 777 going west on our airline, 20 seats open like a couple days before. Wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, it's like there's not any seats open at all. Plus, there's some non revs. I'm pretty high up, but still, there's a chance we're not going to make it. And we're trying. I'm traveling. So I should explain this. So this has become a tradition. Last year, I went to, as one does, AvGeeks don't just go straight home. If we have time, we connect back to the mainland via Maui. <laughs> so-, <laughs> so that's what we did last year. I went with uh, Ryan from Fargo and Tanner from Fargo. This year, it was Ryan from Fargo again, and Ian joined the club. So hopefully next year, you will join it, and our group will get bigger and bigger and bigger. The Hawaii Connection Crew, or whatever we want to call it. Until we We just have to to charter
1: charter a Dorkfest 777. For all 300 people to, to go home via <laughs> the did. islands. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. We ended up flying on Hawaiian via Maui. So we flew 8330 uh, 200 to Maui. And I'm going to say, as again, you did I, last I, year, before. wasn't it? Same as last year. The same flight number. <laughs> yeah. Hawaiian 33. And it was great. Hawaiian got us, there were 30 non refs, so it wasn't like it was easy to get on, but there were more seats than on us. They got us three, three seats together in the four seat section. And we had our. Uh, rum punches. We had our Hawaiian music while boarding. We had the lays. We had the seats with the palm trees. It was like a whole thing. And, you know, Ian was saying, it's almost like being on an international flight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Went to Maui and then we made a connection. This is where things got a little rough because we were flying (laughs) Hawaiian connecting on a 717. So all three of us are excited. That flight was full. So from the time that we left the mainland, that flight filled up I lost the game, you know, I lost the amazing race because Ian had a confirmed ticket on that Hawaiian flight. Ryan quickly bought a ticket. We were both quickly, you know, trying to buy a ticket. It's not expensive. Ryan and I were on Z fares, which is what we have when we fly another carrier. So Ryan was able to quickly get the sixty four dollars Zed fare, and then when it got to me, it was one hundred twenty nine. And I'm like, "There's a Southwest flight I can get on in twenty in half an hour. That's twenty eight dollars." The
1: true inter island carrier, Southwest, save the day. Yeah, because when you think inter island,
0: <laughs> you think Southwest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that,
1: that's totally sarcastic for the listeners. <laughs>
0: But anyway, so those two guys get on the Hawaiian seven one seven. Send me a picture with just the two of them, and I think Ian said "man overboard." <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> like S O S. He sent the S O S. Yeah, real cute, <laughs> real cute. But anyway, I took Southwest. They were great. Think about Southwest Inter Island. The flights were not only why the flights were empty. There were probably like twenty five people on a seven thirty seven eight max eight, whereas on this Hawaiian plane, it was full. And Doug, I think it's because that's
1: that's a sign. Like to me, first of all, that's that's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. I think you said code share because Hawaiian code shares with everyone. So Mm -hmm. they're trying to shuffle other airlines people back and forth, which is really smart on their behalf Mm -hmm. because they're competing flying to the mainland with Alaska, with Delta, with United, with American. But inter-island, none of the, the big three are doing that. Hawaiian is like, hey, we'll we'll help you out, inter-island. We're not gonna we're mm-hmm. not gonna co-chair with you to get back to the mainland. To the mainland, but we'll shuffle your people between the islands, and that way it keeps the big three at bay. They don't want mm-hmm. to come in and fly those flights because Hawaiian's like, oh, come on,
0: we'll take care of you. Well, yeah, and Doug, I don't even think it's only co-chair. I think any iata carrier who has any air ops. If they're seats to Maui, they're sending people to Maui and connecting them on to Hawaiian. They can't connect them on to Southwest because Southwest does not have a ticketing agreement with other carriers. So I, I am sure that's what ha- what would have happened because there were about thirty seats on that seven one seven. But somehow during the six hours of our flight, other carriers who had air ops bought those seats. Probably ours as well. Yeah. Filled up seats to Honolulu. It's like, okay, how do we get these people to Honolulu via Maui? Got to Honolulu. It was great. We had a great time. Ryan had to go back that night, but we had a good uh, four or five hours. And then Ian and I spent the night. I have, I'm have. i going back to Honolulu again, for sure. It was so much fun. It is fun. And yeah. I got... You guys went yeah, to my favorite
1: and... breakfast spot. You got the pineapples with the straw in it. Awesome views of Waikiki. Mm-hmm. I love that spot.
0: Yeah. And I got to tell you just real quick, I had a deja vu moment because uh, it was like my current life and my past life, they collided because Gail, if she's listening, I told her I had a podcast. I don't know if she'll listen or not. She and I used to work together at Reno Air in the 90s and she lives in Honolulu. And just out of the blue, I called her, hey, do you want to have dinner? I would love to see you again. So I was having dinner with Ian and Gail. So it's my present friends and my past but Mm -hmm. they collided it was it was quite a fun experience i think i want to save my trip home for the the end because that that was a lot of fun too
1: quick update though because i know we talked about some of our other friends what they were doing greg flew home I, i think we talked about this weeks ago jokingly that he wanted a 757 300 which is why he booked what he did he got it but he didn't have a window Greg, come on, really, Seekuru? You you couldn't use Seekuru? Although I do know that Seekuru is not, how do we say, it, 100% all the time. I have been disappointed by that. But Greg sent us this really sad selfie that he sent of himself with yeah. a wall in his, quote-unquote, <laughs> window, window uh. seat. He got his 300, though, so at least there was that. Ryan, right. did he leave? Did Ryan leave early, unexpectedly? Because I thought that he was going to spend the night, and then leave what happened with that
0: well he was gonna leave on a later flight but uh again oh the, the, the late evening
1: up. flight that's right yeah so he ended up going through kona he flew hawaiian here's Yuru who wants to get on hawaiian inner island and ryan did it both times he went through mm-hmm. kona flew a, what 75 to denver flew to mini and mm-hmm. then back to fargo so that was like a 30 some hour day him with a red eye he had a
0: really rough he was he was in minneapolis for 12 hours and then ian flew back via minneapolis in style minneapolis. as he does yeah
1: yeah he got delta one as he boarded he said i'd scan mm-hmm. my boarding pass and i got the weird noise that not everyone else did and it's like right that could be one of two things it's like you get an upgrade or a better seat or sorry sir you're not on this flight <laughs> so it's the yeah. whole like beep beep uh-oh if the starts printing that's good because that means that that's you get good. you get a new seat if nothing a prints, then it's like okay what happened i i don't know why ian went back through minneapolis aside from maybe just trying to get home somehow
0: no he was just trying to get home somehow and ian wanted to get home in uh, a nice seat you showed us your wine plastic cup of wine and three windows which we were jealous <laughs> but from ian we got a picture of a menu with three choices of first class meals and a Delta One seat. Yeah, can I just was, say?
1: Can, can I say something about that real quick? Yeah, it was a menu like the old school menu where it's actually stapled and it's the booklet. Nice. I haven't seen the booklet mm-hmm. since pre-COVID. That's great. And technically, Honolulu, Minneapolis is a domestic flight. Yes, I know they right. the Delta treats it as Delta One, so it is in a way like you're flying from Minneapolis to say Paris. But okay. some airlines don't always treat those short of stage lengths from the islands back to like a Midwest hub as the, the true premium experience that it should be for a flight of that length. Like if you're flying, if you're flying Boston to Dublin, which is like a five hour flight and you are offering your international premium product, but you're not doing that on, I don't know, say Honolulu to Salt Lake, which is longer by like two hours to me. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a faux pas. You're flying across an well, ocean of really long length, and you're not offering a right. true premium product.
0: Not just that. Sometimes the price that you're paying for these flights to Hawaii are more than you would pay, for example, from uh, the East Coast to Europe. Yeah, you, know, you would think you would have an equivalent product. Yeah. But anyway, m- more about my trip home at the end. <laughs> okay. Another complication yep. that we'll talk about.
1: Okay, let's jump into this week's news stories. Most of our topics from here on out are negative. So we're going to save our one good news story for the end. It's like a fun sandwich, but with the fun in the middle. Drew, (laughs) kick it off. We've talked
0: quite a bit over the last several years about how unruly passenger behavior was on the rise during COVID. Luckily, reports like this one have dropped substantially over the last several months. Unfortunately, these things continue to happen more often than before the pandemic. Doug, this last week, a passenger attempted to enter the flight deck and emergency exits prior to departure from Chicago over the weekend. The flight was traveling to Los Angeles. It returned to the gate and the passenger was detained by law enforcement. Unruly behavior is down but the FAA said it still referred 39 cases to the FBI this year when it comes to poor passenger behavior attempting to enter the flight deck while the door is closed that's probably the most serious thankfully this thing was not flying but still trying to get into the cockpit that is uh that's pretty intense Usually this this boils down to
1: someone who sadly has some sort of, whether it's depression or just they're off of their medications. And I I know that mental health is a hot topic issue, so I'm not trying to to diminish this at all, but usually it's someone who's just not well and they have some sort of an episode. I I, I have not heard of anything that's actually malicious in intent, which is a good thing. And as you mentioned, cases like this or cases of unruly behavior, they haven't been in the news the way that they were quite at the height of the pandemic. I think that's a good thing. I think all this craziness of people being locked up and not being able to go places. Mm -hmm. I think it's slowly starting to work itself out. But this is more of a public service announcement to our listeners Mm -hmm. and anyone, our listeners, talk to your friends, talk to your family There are a couple no-go's when it comes to flying that might ban you from ever being able to fly again. One is going crazy on an airplane and trying to open a door, Any, any sort of door, emergency exit door, whatever it is. But once you try and make a rush to the flight deck, luckily there was not a sky marshal on this flight. For this particular passenger, because this passenger may not be alive today, and I am not saying that right. in like a, a being dramatic. If no, there was I, a sky marshal on this that. on this flight and they saw this happen, this passenger may not be with us today. And I, I yeah, I am not exaggerating yeah, you at all. You, you no, I, know. no, I, I agree.
0: You don't know, and you don't have the you don't want the risk of that person taking over the flight deck. Yes. <laughs> so, can you imagine? Thirty nine cases were uh, referred to the FBI, but as of September third there have been 1,384 reports of unruly passengers. So the airlines are doing a great job calming things down because they're unruly, but not everything has to be a federal case. A lot of times the passenger's having a bad day. They um, lashed out, made a mistake. They see someone
1: who isn't there. What what was that one a couple (laughs) weeks ago? The person person who apparently said that the, the passenger sitting next to them wasn't real and there are a whole bunch oh, of yes. videos of her and she's like that person's <laughs> right. not real like yeah the media executive <laughs> yeah that's not that won't that won't be an fbi thing luckily
0: very few were referred but listen to this even though the load factor is higher in 2023 in 2022 there were 5973 now granted we're only about halfway through the year but last year for the full year almost 6,000. I'm trying to figure out why that was. Maybe people were coming back from COVID and they were still anxious about traveling. Maybe they were anxious about wearing masks or not, but a lot more reports last year. So maybe flying is becoming more regular and people are not as anxious anymore is the only thing I can think
1: of. Whatever the reason is, cases are on the, the decline. So that's good. Again, tell your friends, family, if you're if you're going to go crazy on an airplane, talk about the person next to you not being real don't try and open a door and whatever you do don't try and get into the flight deck because it it could end a lot worse than what this did
0: just follow crew instruction you may not agree with it you may not like the way they asked you save that for customer service later but in in the moment you've got to listen to crew instruction they're telling you what to do because of safety number one follow crew instruction you'll be okay
1: Our next story goes back to Russia, where we've talked extensively about the rapidly declining aviation industry there during the massive international sanctions against the country. Details are a bit sketchy on this story, but a Ural Airlines A320 landed in a field this week after suffering some sort of issue. All 165 people on board walked away safely, but that's about all that we know for sure. The flight was operating from Sochi to Omsk, and it landed in a field near the city of Kamenka, some reports say the aircraft suffered some sort of mechanical malfunction, possibly a hydraulic issue, but other reports say it might have instead run out of fuel. aware data, and also I looked at flight radar 24 shows that the aircraft did attempt an approach into an airport nearby its destination, but initiated a go-around before flying another 45 minutes before it eventually landed in the field. Regardless of what really happened, which we might never know, unfortunately, hats off to the crew for safely putting the large commercial plane down off airport. This could have completely been a crew mistake by not actually landing where they were trying. But the fact that the crew was able to land an A320 in a field, and there are photos of this A320 resting in the field, and no one was injured or seriously injured, hats off to the crew, if it was outside of their control. If it was something that the right. crew didn't do properly, maybe they should have landed where they fir- I I don't know the situation. And sadly, because of what's coming out of Russia or not coming out of Russia, we may never know what the true situation was here. But I have a feeling that sadly, we are going to be seeing a lot more of this out of Russia, as the airlines continue to feel the squeeze from the sanctions.
0: There's reports of Aeroflot deactivating brakes because they just don't have the parts. And looking into this, Doug, it's not just something you see on the blog. Aviation Week is saying that they have reports of this. And it's so serious. It was to the point where, um, have you heard of this organization? It's called IFALPA. It's the International Federation of Airline Pilots Mm -mm. Association. I had never heard of that. But this body put out a warning, make sure if your brakes are deactivated, make sure that you follow procedure to land or operate safely. And there's a feeling that this is because of several reports coming out of Russia that they're deactivating brakes because they just can't get the parts for the planes. And just like you said, we could see a lot more of this. This airline, Ural, has just ordered something like 30 MC-21 airplanes, which is the Russian version of the A320. They're making plans to buy Russian planes. It's not going to happen overnight. So in the meantime, you know, what are they going to do for parts? And again, we're not saying this was related to the parts, but we are talking about aviation issues in Russia that that are significant Mm. but again good job to the crew Uh, all customers were fine so it turned out okay our final news story this week is a positive one unless you're air france klm or ITA or Lufthansa. So maybe it isn't that positive. <laughs> <laughs> when I first read this, I was like, oh, this is
1: a positive for one. And then I, I read farther and I was like, uh, no, it's not. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, this actually isn't good for really anyone.
0: <laughs> Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney is pressing for Lufthansa's purchase of ITA airways to be fast-tracked. And, and we've, we've talked about this. Lufthansa is in the process of buying about 40% of ITA which is the replacement or which is uh out of the ashes if you will out of, of the Alitalia. Ashes. Yeah, that's a better way. Yep. She said something curious is going on. The same European Commission which asked us for years to find a solution to the Alitalia and then ITA problem then blocks it when we come up with a solution. So we really don't understand and we would like an answer. Good point. She has a good question. Right? She's trying to bolster the national airline. Here's another company coming in and saying, we're going to invest in it. The European Commission responded by saying they have not received a formal request to approve or deny Lufthansa's 41% purchase of the Italian. How how does this happen? Did they miss an email or did it go into their spam folder? I I don't know. how. It seems sketchy.
1: I feel like the prime minister of a country wouldn't bring this up if the proper channels hadn't gone through. But it's weird that the European Commission... But then later in the article, it said the European Commission re- declined to comment on the story. So I, it,
0: there's a lot of fishiness. <laughs> That's so way. weird. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. But I mean, this is, this is the best option for ITA to have Lufthansa because that seems like the best alternative because I don't know of any... There was another investor working with, uh, I think, Delta... Uh, a consortium of people working with Delta to invest, but it, the government seems to be okay with uh, Lufthansa. And this is, this was interesting. The Italian government is okay with it. Lufthansa is okay with it. So someone sitting in some corner office in Brussels was like, no, it's not going through because they want to get their hands in it. I don't know. We'll find out more.
1: For our U.S. listeners, we can equate this to that would be like the American partnership with JetBlue and Alaska joining One World. So that's an American partner where. American is growing partnership wise with other airlines a little bit more than say United or Delta or Southwest or other airlines in the US. I think that the European Commission is looking at this like Lufthansa is already arguably the biggest airline consortium in the EU with Swiss, with Austrian, with Belgium Brussels. with or br- Brussels, sorry you've got IAG who didn't I think they were rumored to be interested, but they never actually really made a play, IAG. British Airways, Whaling, Aer Lingus, Iberia, Air France, KLM—they're the smallest of the major consortiums in Europe. I think, as a regulator, I would look at this and say, "Well, Air France, KLM would gain the most by joining the partnership." But when it came to the bidding, Air France, KLM—they were interested. They put a bid in, but then they started—they pulled back. Lufthansa was the one who was actually accepted as a. a business mind, I kind of have to look at this and be like, okay, yes, it's great for Lufthansa. But is it good for the EU the, as a whole the consumer? I think the consumer, I think Air France KLM, probably it would be better for the consumer. But at the same time, what's better Air France KLM not taking it and Lufthansa not taking it. And then the consumer in say, Germany, having to continue to bail out the national carrier of Italy, which is what happened with Alitalia. Or, right. okay, hey, put put aside some of the competitive worries. Let Lufthansa take over this 41% stake and make them a better airline so that the mm-hmm. consumer in Germany, in France, in Spain, who has really nothing to do with the airline, isn't having to pay their tax dollars to support that airline. That I think that's where it really comes down to what are they going to decide?
0: Well, and if it's, if it's a thing about national pride, it's only 41%. And the board is still run by Italian executives, I'm sure. There's probably some seats on the board for Lufthansa. I think this is a good bet. But just like you said, they haven't stated it, but maybe someone in Brussels at uh, the EU headquarters is thinking, wait a minute, Lufthansa has got way too much muscle now. Maybe we need to look at uh, someone else. But there's no offers from IAG. And like you said, Delta, Air France, KLM, they've kind of pulled back.
1: Backed out. Yeah. All right. Well, that positive story turned negative. So let's move on to uh, this is another (laughs) negative story for for our main topic. Drew, I don't know if you remember when the MAX was grounded a couple years ago, how some Airbus fans, both in the media and on social media, almost seemed to be gloating about Boeing's troubles well, maybe they got cocky a little bit too soon. And as we always say, if it's happening to someone else, it could just as easily happen to you.
0: Right, we mentioned a few weeks back that new Airbus Neos were having issues with the uh, Pratt & Whitney 1100G, also uh, termed the GTF, geared geared turbofan. These engines are requiring additional inspections before getting airborne again. Reports this week say that a change in inspection time, possibly up to 300 days, means the possibility of 650 or more of the NEOs, which stands for new engine option, being grounded early in 2024 with fleet groundings averaging 350 at any given time through 2026. As a reminder, this is an issue with possible contamination in certain engines. Whiz Air was the first airline to announce schedule disruptions relating to the issue. They said that they expect capacity in the second half of 2024 to be reduced by as much as 10% because of engine inspections. You know, this is Whiz Air, 10%. We talked about Go First in India, where this engine issue is taking the airline down. They've had to shut down because they just don't have enough fleet to run. Pratt,
1: Pratt and Whitney argued, and they said, Hey, it's not an issue with our engines. But now this is coming to light. 650 airplanes is not an insignificant amount, I would have to go back and look and see how many max airplanes were actually on the line when the MAX was grounded. I think it was around mm-hmm. 650. Granted, Boeing had planned to make about 400 a year. So that number doubled or tripled while the MAX was grounded for number of airlines who were planning on getting airplanes and, and didn't. As of right now, Pratt & Whitney and Airbus are saying that all new deliveries are okay, that whatever the issue was, they fixed it. This goes back to Correct me if I'm wrong listeners, but I think it was 2015 through like 2020 airframe models, so engine or engine models, engines that were that were produced between 2015 and 2020, anything that's rolled off the line since then, this issue has been fixed, but 650 airplanes grounded with a 300-day grounding time, drew when we send our airplanes to C and D check, which are like the heavy checks. If they're grounded for more than a month or two, that is a huge deal that's a huge for the airline. Hit. That's a huge hit. And now we're talking so about gonna... possibly nine to 10 months. That's nuts.
0: Well, so this is going to affect airlines' summer schedules. So if you're flying an A320neo or A321neo, your schedule could be affected because more than likely, some of your planes are going to be out of service, out of ser- 300 days. Man, that's that's amazing. Our airline is getting A321s, and that's good to hear that they're saying that this will not apply to new rollouts. We'll see if that's the case.
1: Especially because it's going to be powered by these engines. We'll see. Uh In another hit to manufacturers and customers, Boeing is embroiled in its own issue again now with the 737 and its CFM engine. CFM and GE Aerospace say that they found falsified documents from one of its suppliers, AOG Technics Limited regarding 52 parts in the power plant for its 737 engines. In other words, there are currently counterfeit parts in an unspecified amount of 737 engines. I believe it's not the MAX. I think it's the next gen, so the 700, 800, 900. I don't think that the new engines this is an issue with. I could be mistaken. But Southwest Airlines last week announced that it found and has removed counterfeit parts for sure, from one of its 737 engines. This is an unfolding story. This is new and breaking, so the extent of the issue is not yet known. Boeing and the 737 are, once again, in the thick of it when it comes to some supplier issue. After the Spirit issue that we talked about, after the Max issue, after all these things, here we go again.
0: Yeah, exactly. And AOG Technics, that's that's an unfortunate name <laughs> For aircraft parts manufacturer, do you know what AOG stands for? You, we hear it a lot at the uh, airlines in airport ops because we have. What well, do you know what that that means? AOG. It, it like, means you know to it, me,
1: in coming from military background, it means lots of different things. I'm not. I, I can't think of it <laughs> on the commercial side.
0: Yeah, on the commercial side, AOG stands for aircraft on ground. If oh. we are waiting for, if we're waiting for yeah, part, I, like if we're shipping parts. Those are called AOGs, which means that we will hold that flight. So if we have parts coming from stores that are aircraft parts, if they're AOG, that means you hold that plane because there's an aircraft on the ground waiting for those parts. We will delay that We like, we are not pushing without these AOG parts. And here we have AOG Technics, And the aircraft are on the ground because of their parts, not because they're waiting, waiting for their parts. So I don't know if that... I'll have to go back and see what that stands for, but it seems like an unfortunate name. The A220 also has these Pratt & Whitney 1100 engines. I'm hoping the new rollouts don't have the issue. It sounds like they've fixed the issue with the engines in general, but some of the A220s are being grounded because of this problem as well.
1: For all the naysayers who say, just don't order all of the same airplanes spread your eggs in multiple baskets. Well, now those multiple baskets are having separate, differing issues.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: Our ops topic this week is something that's confusing to many passengers and airline employees, travel pros, and pretty much anyone that steps onto an airplane or into an airport. It's also something that we experienced this week. Not trying to dredge up the direct versus nonstop argument, but you'll see why this term bugs me so much <laughs> after we talk about what's coming
0: up. It's bad when avgeeks are confused at the airport. If my mom's confused about what it shows on the departure monitor, I can understand that. She's not an geek. If a civilian is like, oh, that doesn't make sense. But for me, I've worked for the airlines for over 30 years and I'm showing up at Honolulu airport. No, I'm at Maui. I'm at Maui. I had just arrived from Honolulu again, using the classic inter-island Hawaiian carrier, Southwest. Hawaiian. Because had some- Southwest. Yep. Sorry, I guessed the wrong yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Southwest, for getting me back to Maui so I can get home. Because Hawaiian was full <laughs> because the network carriers, Delta had an issue, United had an issue with delays, and I think one had a cancellation. So guess what? We're going to Maui. <laughs> Everyone's going to Maui. <laughs> Anyway, so I'm I'm in Maui to make my connection to our carrier to go to to go back to uh, San Francisco and then Washington and then I look on the screen and it shows my flight 1722 to Washington Dulles and I'm like I'm a little bit you know jet lagged and in a daze to begin with I'm like did I miss a route announcement Are we actually flying nonstop to Washington from Maui? For a minute, I was thinking nonstop, that. and then it, it scrolls and it says San Francisco. So the flight that I'm on, which is a triple seven, magically that flight converts to a seven thirty seven nine hundred for part two of flight seventeen twenty two. I understand now. It's like, oh, I get it. It's just uh, a, a uh, direct flight, which we hate. It's a direct flight number. That's but all. That's it's not about. even.
1: But per I, and I'm not trying to dredge up direct first nonstop. This still is not even the the term that the airline industry uses for direct. Direct service is you don't have to get off the airplane. The flight number continues on. You make it stop. People get off. People get on. That's direct service. This isn't even direct service. This is
0: no, connecting But it's service. advertised as direct service. But it is advertised. So when you buy the ticket, it's, it's advertised yes. as a direct flight. So when you pull up flights from Maui to Washington, Dulles, this flight is going to come up, and it's going to stay one, one stop. If you dig into it, you will see that it's different aircraft. So this story, it gets even more as if that wasn't enough confusion. I'm on standby. I have to wait. So an hour prior, our airline is really good. Like automatically, it'll give you a seat. So an hour prior, boom, I get the message. Hey, great news. You have a seat on flight 1722. Not from not from Maui to uh, San Francisco, but from SPO to Dulles. And I, I have seat 39 Lima. And I'm like, this is so, this is so, so wrong in so many ways because that flight, they wouldn't be clearing standbys yet because it doesn't leave for like six hours from San Francisco. And my seat is 39 Lima, which I'm like, did way, did they make a 737 XWB or some kind of, is this like <laughs> longer my, and wider, and s- wider because Lima. yeah, because it's A, B, C, D, E, F. There's no 39 Lima even better. So I'm like, okay, this must be my seat on this triple seven. And then I go and look at the 777 seat map. It shows that seat is open. I am so confused. So I go to the gate, and I sent you pictures of uh, the sign scrolling, Washington, D.C., San Francisco. (laughs) And I I go up to the counter, and I tell the agent, it's like, "Uh, I got a little problem. (laughs) I got a seat, and I'm sure it's for this flight, but it's not showing for this airplane. It shows on the next one. And she's like looking at it, and she has a confused look that I do too. And she's like, I think you broke the system. (laughs) So it had to take it took her a few minutes to unravel it. And what she did was she made two separate segments for me to go to SFO and a separate one to Washington, as it should be because they're two different flights on two different planes.
1: You confused the automated system and you confused the gate agent. Imagine and, and those are those are technically the gate agent knows more about what's going on than any of us do that I operate yeah. the airplane, you launch the airplane, so the gate agent knows more about what's going on. And even she was confused. Yeah. And the automated system was like, uh, F it. I give up. I- <laughs> oh, because you want to go to you, do- you wanna go to Orange County? Here, I'll just give you a seat. You you want a seat somewhere? Let me just like roll the dice and give you something.
0: Because the automated system, this is where there's a glitch. This is where they're trying to be cute with these direct routings that are not you know, this is where it doesn't work. And even the automated system was like, "This does not make sense." The non-revs are cleared in mass when the flight is wide open. So I was cleared in mass with the rest of the thirty non-revs on this flight. And the system was confused, as you said. It's like uh, he's cleared, but I don't know on which flight. So I'll just pick one. I'll just pick a flight <laughs> and I'll pick a seat. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, long story short, she fixed it. She got me three seats in the the legroom seats. And it was a great flight back home. Really quick connection at SFO. And I was, I was home in no time. But I got to tell you, so I got three seats. I wasn't sleeping going to SFO. But SFO to Dulles, it was night. So it's like, okay, I'm going to try and sleep. And they always tell you these stories. Oh, you got three seats. That's better than first class. No, it's not. Have you mm-hmm. ever tried stretching? Have you tried stretching out in three seats? I'm six feet tall. I, don't, I was in a fetal position trying to get comfortable And right next to the wall, which is where your head goes, there's an armrest. There's not a smooth place to put my head. So I had to fashion a pillow out of some clothes put in a extra bag that I had. Somehow I fell asleep. But for those of you that tell tell you, oh, it's better than first class. No, it's not.
1: Was the armrest not movable?
0: Not movable. So you had this bar right there that I had to
1: Are you sure put something about that? soft on it. Do you know the trick about where the button is underneath?
0: I checked all that. I have heard about that. So oh, I checked really? under it to yeah. see if there's something. <laughs> yeah. But I'm a non I'm not complaining. You
1: for the listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, if you are an aisle seat and let's say your tray table is down, the aisle seats, they have to be compliant for passengers with disabilities. All the aisle armrest actually lift up. there's a little button underneath, a finger button. So if I'm sitting in an aisle seat and I have to get up and use the lav and I have my tray table down, I don't want to mess with that. I'll lift the armrest and just slide straight out, stand up, go, keep the tray table down. My drink is still sitting there, Mm -hmm. use the lav, come back and then plop it right back down.
0: So that was a marketing ploy to get people to think that there's direct service from Maui to Washington, DC. You had something similar, but uh, kind of a different, marketing employee. I
1: did, and it confused us. I ran into a same, we'll call it a marketing <laughs> oddity that airlines engage in leaving Narita last week. There were two flights on the departure board showing our airline flying from Narita to San Francisco, both departing literally at the exact same time. It was 1,500 local, both flights, both 1,500, two different gates. The problem was one of them was a code chair one of them was our flight, and the board, I, I should know that a code share is usually a four uh, four digit with with our our airline number on it. So if you see, you know, XX seven nine four two, you know that's the code share. But mm-hmm. there were so many different code shares that it took like five minutes of staring <laughs> at the board. Just and if you if you're right. looking at both San Francisco flights from Narita, you're gonna miss mm-hmm. one of the so it's like we couldn't even find what the real flight number was but with all the different (sighs) co-chairs. So here we are, we, and we're having to actually like pause. You spit out a security. One gate is all the way to the left. One gate is all the way to the right. So it's not like we can walk to the window and be like, Oh, that's our airplane. And the other one is our co-chair partner. None of that. So we had to like log into our iPads or phones and try and figure out and look at the app, like a passenger would to see what gate to go to Here we are as the crew operating the flight, and we can't even look at the board and be like, oh, this is the gate that we're supposed to go to. Going back to your mom, luckily your mom, she's savvy. She travels a lot. She probably would figure it out. A lot of our passengers can't. And I I understand where like co-chairs technically are a good thing, and they're supposed to make it easier for the customer to be able to book a flight on their particular preferred Mm -hmm. airline but it may be operated by someone else and it's a seamless process well but if at the airport the displays do not make that seamless and i've seen it before i've been in line on multiple airlines checking in and the people ahead of me Mm -hmm. are checking in for like american like i'm checking in at the american counter the person in front of me is checking in at the american counter but they're actually flying on british airways and they're like i what do you mean I'm not supposed to be here? I'm supposed to be at a different terminal. I bought my ticket on American. And they're like, well, no, we're showing you're actually on British Airways. We can't physically check you in. You have to check in with the airline of the first segment that you're operating on. So while it's trying to make it easier for passengers, there are times where it becomes really confusing for people who don't know what what
0: these things are. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, our airline has a partnership with a European carrier that uses, they have a code share number On us. As far as I know, when the when the boarding pass is generated, it does show our true flight number. Or when we generate a boarding pass for them, it actually shows the flight number, not the code share. So I'm wondering if it's necessary to scroll all these. I guess, you know, if you're if you're at the ticket counter, you haven't checked in yet, you have a ticket, it's just so confusing. You know, and I I know they it's it some bean counter someplace decided that this was a good thing to do. I I don't want to say it's false advertising, but it's kind of stretching the truth because on at Washington Dulles I see Sri Lankan Airlines <laughs> scrolling with other airlines to mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi or whatever airline they have a partnership with and it's very confusing. I mean for a while I'm like, oh, I didn't know Sri Lankan Airlines flew to Washington Dulles. It's very confusing. I see Sri Lankan I, I don't even know.
1: I see Sri Lankan at Sacramento because yeah, it because no they're sense. a one world airline and they they partner with American on the flight from Sacramento to Los Angeles to mm-hmm. Tokyo where then you actually get on Sri Lankan from Tokyo to Sri Lanka, like to Colombia yeah. from from Tokyo. I, but that, I, I think that flight if, begins <sighs> in Sacramento, technically, that flight. Right.
0: Well, if they want to do that, I think, you know, go ahead and do that if uh, you found in your spreadsheets that, that that brings you more traffic. Great. But once the person buys a ticket and has a ticket number, I think it just needs to show them this flight is operated by... United Airlines. This flight is operated by American Airlines from Sacramento because it, it, there's so much confusion. And if you and your captain, aviation professionals, the people flying the plane, no less, can't find their flight. Yes. Can't find the That's gate. That's a problem. Yeah. Doug, before we go, we have a few uh, things to talk about. First of all, let's. Uh, someone called into the hotline and uh, they called from north of the border. We love Canada. This is from Mark in uh, Calgary. Take it away.
1: Hi there, Devinger. This is Mark again in Calgary, YYC. Really great to hear you guys and your coverage of Dark fest. I really wish I could visit this one someday, or maybe even the event run in Seattle. Shout-out to my old buddy Isaac, by the way. Speaking of shout-outs, thanks for noticing Flair Airlines in the episode last week. Since this airline is based in my old hometown of Edmonton, Alberta, just a couple hours from where I now live, they really do have a unique livery for their aircraft. Not necessarily because they stick out in the snow, but because locals here often make fun of them, and are the same color as a de-icing fluid that they spray on the aircraft before takeoff, that does make me want to ask you guys a question. What do you guys think are the most unique regular liveries on any plane that you see in the air today? Thanks for all the good work, guys. Keep it up. All right, Mark. Thanks for calling. I had to think about this quite a bit after I got this. I, I'm I'm going to give one, may, maybe two. One, my number one unique. I, I'm going to say unique, or no? I, you know what? I'll I'll go regular. Not not unique. I'm going to say mm-hmm. Air Tahiti Nui. To me, I think first of all that is a beautiful and striking livery and I think that that embodies the Tahitian or the the local culture better than probably any livery in the world when you look at it. Mm-hmm. The you've got the the tribal tattoos a lot of people wear. I think Tahiti Nui, they 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 have that light blue, that turquoise color like you see in the ocean near the island. I I just think that they uh-huh. embody The country that they fly for better than anyone else when it comes to your livery.
0: Okay. So that's one of your favorites. So I took this at when unique, not necessarily my favorite, but something that really stands out to me. And this was the love hate relationship. It's Condor. Doug, those planes are so easy to spot when it's in the full livery. So (laughs) come on. The beach towel. No, that's a unique. It's a beach towel. So. It is unique. Yeah, yeah, it has the rings around the fuselage. No one does that. It's a little disconcerting. Marketing genius, right? Those stand out. So I would say that is the most unique of the regular liveries because you cannot miss it. (laughs) Doug, I want to give a shout out to uh, someone we met at LAX. I think that's the first time we've met him. His name's John, and he does a website called Fly Run Fun, all together, F L Y R U N dot run. And his blog or website is about running because he's an avid runner and traveling and airlines and airplanes. It's, it's something that you or I would write because we enjoy those things as well. He wrote a f- whole overview of his trip to uh, Dorkfest and LAX. So go read it. It's a nice overview. So if you're thinking you're going to, to Dorkfest or or just LAX in general, he will tell you where he stayed, places to eat, where to go to spots. Favorite so clubs. definitely check it out. And John, thank you for the engagement with us and uh it was really nice meeting you and uh your son out at uh Dorkfest. I added this to the uh outline for the podcast last minute cuz we got this review. I'm going to read it. It was hilarious. I don't I didn't, at first I didn't know it was good or bad. I didn't know what to think, but I thought about it some more. I was like, <laughs> "It is kind of nice." <laughs> so, this person gave us a 5-star rating and he put the title of it is Bert and Ernie of Aviation Street. And it says, <laughs> Doug and Drew, <laughs> Doug and Drew are, the, are the charismatic and nerdy avgeek duo that do an amazing job entertaining listeners while also being very educational and interesting storytellers. Keep up the great work. Guys, Bert and Ernie? We're being... Cl- we're being... <laughs> and then I was thinking, why am I... A... You know, it's, it's cute, right? Because everyone loves Bert and Ernie. And I was thinking he could have chosen Batman and Robin. We would have both fought to be, you know, who Batman is because no one wants to be Robin in that duo. And then I thought, what's the other one? Uh, Here's how
1: I'll respond to this. I have two young kids. Mm -hmm. My youngest is very much into Sesame Street right now. Yes, Bert and Ernie are educational, but I don't know if I would call them interesting storytellers. I don't watch Sesame Street with Pippa and be like, oh, you know what? They are telling a great story right now. <laughs> but okay, I do, been, I do appreciate probably, this.
0: Well, no, I mean, it's probably been 20 to 30 years since I've watched Burton Ernie. But they're on Sesame Street, which is educational. So I'm sure there's something that they're leaving the children. You know, some heartwarming, you know, how to be nice to people or how to open a door. I have no idea. It's been so long. Yeah, I don't, sure. But I yes. know it's Sesame yeah. Street, so I'm sure it's educational. He could have chosen Beavis and Butthead. No one's going to learn anything from oh Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> if we were the Beavis and Butthead, of aviation, Beavis and Butthead it'd be like, of aviation, honestly, that means all you're doing is laughing at us. You're not learning anything from Beavis and Butthead. Thank you is, for likening us to Bert and Ernie.
1: The, 100%. Yes. Bert and Ernie is definitely better than the Beavis and Butthead of aviation. <laughs> all right. On that note, so, I think we should end it. <laughs> To our listeners, this podcast is your show. So go on our website, nexttripnetwork.com. Let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter, or Instagram, and podcast. Please tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel. Just a quick pause before we, we actually finish here. I know Delta just announced some massive changes to their club entry, loyalty program, all of that. That came out just hours oh, yeah, we'll before we about. started recording. We'll have to address that next week. Maybe not next week because of something special that we have going on, but we will try and bring that up Mm -hmm. and talk about it because the listeners probably want to hear what we have to say. Also, I was considering not making an apology up front. Like we have been in the past or like we've been doing recently. This episode may not be on time. I apologize. It'll make sense later on just with a trip that I have coming up. But the episode, if it does come out on Monday, I apologize about that. But as the listeners at Dorkfest said sometimes you can't be always on time and it creates this like air of mystery about like when the podcast is going to come out. (laughs) So if it's not out on Monday or Sunday at the normal time, I do apologize. It should be out pretty soon after that.
0: Yeah. So we're not a hundred percent on time, but but we have a hundred percent completion factor since 2019, since we started. And speaking of when we started, this is our 199th episode which means next one is two hundred, and we have something special planned. We know that we're not non-revving; we're non-non-revving, both of us. Both so of us. <laughs> it'll make exciting. it'll make
1: more sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, both of us will be on the same flight, and it'll be in one of our favorite cities, and it'll be about aviation and the city we're in. So stay tuned; it's going to be lots of fun. All right. So you can also call us on our Google voice number to ask a question or just rant about something. The number is 872-529-5620. When calling from the US, make sure to use country code 001 or plus one when calling from abroad. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week for episode 200. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast.